Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm not your host. I'm an industry marketing guy, the managing director of Making Chips. But my partners, the dynamic and comedic tag team, are your Making Chips co-hosts, Jason Zenger and Jim Carr. Thanks, Nick. That was a nice introduction. I know you guys think you're nice funny. Nice boy. Nice boy. Yeah. Oh, that was really nice, Nick. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that wholeheartedly. Now, make sure you write us that check for uh, allowing you to introduce the show. No, you did that well, and... Welcome to episode 186. We're ready to roll here. We got a great episode for you. Well, this one's right up my alley, so I'm looking forward to it. That's why we put a mic in your hand this time, and we're going to give you a little bit of autonomy here and drive this episode forward. But before we introduce our guest for the day, we got a couple of things that we want to talk about. What is it? What are those things, Jason? Well, we're going to be talking about marketing automation, and I'm not going to say that I'm a marketing automation expert. I kind of know what it is. I'm not really doing it very well, but what is it to you in your machining business, Jim? Well, first and foremost, I think that manufacturers typically do not know much about marketing automation. No, we're going to talk about what it is. So marketing plus automation together is automating your marketing or... I love your definition. This is good. No, this is good. so basic and you know, it's good. Marketing automation is automating your marketing. <laughs> no, awesome. I, think, I think what Jim is trying to say is that when you set up systems in order to have your marketing do what it's supposed to be doing without you interacting with it on a, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, 100%. what are the things you would repeat and do over and over again and how can you automate that from a marketing Yeah, how do you make your customer experience better and not have to participate in every single what it's without, process? Without human intervention. Yeah, it's what it's not automated. is it, it's not making a robotic brand. It's not, you don't want to dehumanize your brand because you're using automation. That's the worst thing you could do with your marketing automation. Right. So... We're going to have the expert talk about it. Well, what you do know? you think? Well, I, I just said what I thought it was. Okay. I, I, you know, I jumped in there and, and gave a little bit more of a robust definition. No, you talked right over me, and that's normally my role. <laughs> that's okay. But tell me, Jim, let's talk about what great is going on at, at Car Machine and Tool. Well, I've you got sharing, that big order, didn't well, you? I've been sharing with the Metalworking Nation for a while now that we've been waiting and waiting. teed up right. for a long time for a significant order, and it finally came through last week. And we did a lot of back-end work, a lot of strategy before it actually hit. So we you did. You, you did a lot of work we, before uh, that, and I'm yeah, super excited because that means you're going to be buying a whole bunch of tooling and cutting tools and everything. So You should have had the purchase happy. order already. They asked me uh, yesterday if they should send it, and I said, do it. Just let's get it done. On. Let's move. So yeah, I'm excited about the future of Car Machine and Tool, especially this year and where we're going. We're going out. We just booked a sales trip out to the West Coast in about five weeks. And we've got some great, we got a couple customers there and we're going to line up some great clients out there too. Great. Well, I mean, you know, I've been implementing a new ERP system and it's got its challenges. It is challenging. It's got its challenges when you go live on a new ERP system, but that is all about automation as well because we're putting this integrated system into our company because we we want to automate a lot of what we do. It's a browser-based system. It's got CRM and everything that you'd want from a, an ERP system so that we can automate and sell and allow our customers to self-service themselves. So Gotta do it, baby. Let, let's move quickly. Uh, Nick, what is going on at The Boring Bar? Is this an actual bar? It will, will be it, soon. Will it be soon? Yeah, okay. we're, we're building the new Making Chips headquarters, and it will feature an actual bar called a, The Boring Bar. A tapper. Can I request one yep, of those beers? Bar, yeah, I would like and to have of course one, too. Beer. 
Well, you're an owner of the company, so whatever you want. I was going to say, I think the two founders are the ones that get to pick the tap. Jim's going to want wine on tap. No, but you know what would be great? We got to add this into the design. We got to have like a, a wine cellar, like a refrigerator, like at 55 degrees for your Cabernet, so it comes out. Well, perfect. then you'd bankrupt the company. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, because I know easy. how you. I know how you buy wine. Yeah. Spend all the profits. Anyway, what what is new going on at the Boring Bar? Well, what the Boring Bar actually is for our audience is it's our newsletter, and that's how you can get the latest making chips content. So what you'll see in the boring bar is a contribution from what we call our chip-in contributors. These are manufacturing leaders who can equip and inspire the rest of the community. The contribution for this week comes from Danny Gonzalez of Industrial City. I know Danny. He's a good guy. 10 okay. out of 10 on the yeah. niceness scale. 10 out of 10, really? Yeah. I got to meet this guy. I told him he's too nice. Well, here's here's well, why he's nice. the boring bar one day. The first chip-in that was an actual video yeah. came from Danny. Nice. The rest of them have been articles. So Danny, good job. And this chip-in contribution is about the impact of LinkedIn Live. It'll be rolled out this spring. So, you know, Facebook Live, Instagram yep. Live, LinkedIn yep. Live is I coming think, soon. Yep. We're going to be doing a lot of cool things with LinkedIn Live, and Danny's going to talk about that in the contribution. So you can check that out on makingchips.com. Subscribe to The Boring Bar. You bet. The manufacturing news that you'll find is about what's going on in the industry this summer. It's an article from Pat McGibbon. He's the CKO. That's a Chief Knowledge Officer. These freaking acronyms drive me nuts. I've never heard of a CKO before. Is that a, is it a real... Is I, it a real I don't know if they call it CKO. Okay, I'm like, oh my God, I've never heard of that one before, but it makes sense, right? He is the Chief Knowledge Officer at the Association of Manufacturing Technology. AMT. You I'm going to have to come up AMT. with a, C, a C-suite title for you, Jim, and you're going to you. love it. Don't say it now. I want you to really rehearse it in your head before you let it go. So uh, just a couple things from the article that we can discuss. I've heard a little bit about, like, is there a softening now? Are, are things starting to slow down? And Pat writes in the article, most of the members that I've talked to in the past three weeks have asked, when will the market begin to get better? Wow. The market is still growing year over year, and we have skipped right over when will the market begin to contract to when will it begin to expand again. Perhaps that is what a 19% increase in a single year does to people's psyche. If it isn't a double-digit growth rate, then the market is going backwards? So, you know, the article goes on to talk about how it's not growing quite as fast as it was last year, but it's still growing and we all need to stop being babies about it and just deal with it because it's nothing like the 2008 recession, right? It's not even close. No, I mean, we're still in a positive direction. We're still green. We're not red, right? And, and the article features like the indicators for the business conditions in our segment. You know, well, manufacturing, actually, go ahead. Jason. An actual recession is two quarters of negative growth. So two quarters of decline, I believe that that would be. And so we're not going through that decline right now. We certainly haven't had it two quarters in a row. Well, Because I'll once it takes what, two quarters, then you really have a bad trend that you're you're building on top of. Fourth quarter 2018 was down. And I believe the first month in the first quarter, down? 2019 was down. Was it down compared to the previous? Because like it could still be up, but down from the growth from before. We're talking actually I don't know. where the GDP contracts. Okay. No, it pulled back. The growth pulled back. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, there's a difference. Here's like, what the article says. Negative year-on-year change in the growth rate will likely begin in the late second quarter or early third quarter. The last downturn lasted for more than 40 months 
but the expectations are that this next downturn will likely be a quarter to a third of the length of the past one. Yeah, I mean, this kind of reminds me of a conversation I had this morning with my five-year-old son because he was just whining, whining, whining about like, I've got a scratch, my finger hurts. I was like, look, if you're bleeding, let me know. Or if something hurts really bad for a long period of time, let me know. But like every little scratch you get, you got to buck up, buddy. I don't want to hear about every single one of them. My mom would say like, if you need a reason to cry, I can make that happen. <laughs> she's a nice, so she's give, a nice lady. I mean, so don't give the economy a reason to make you cry. <laughs> yeah, and they use some science to, to come up with this too. So there's there's a couple indicators. Manufacturing technology orders continue to show year-over-year growth, albeit at an ever slower rate. And then durable goods manufacturing business conditions. The indicators signal expansion of key customer sectors, but at a slower pace than recognized in 2018. So Nick gave... Jim, you and I feedback saying that we drone on and on and on too much and the listeners want to get into the heart of the subject. So instead of letting Nick drone on like he's doing right now, let's get into it. How does that sound? That sounds good. I just There's one more thing I want to oh, add gosh, to that. There's always one yeah, more thing. Yeah, there is one more thing. Jason and I have had relationships with some economists from the Federal Reserve. And the last time we had him on, he said there has never been a period in this country where we've had such stagnant growth over a period of time. Which if we can keep that trend up, that's a really good thing. It is. Because one it of is. the reasons why we had some of the, and we're drawing on again, one of the reasons why we had some no, of these recessions in the past is because of financial, I don't know what you call it, vehicles, I, I think is what, what they call them, got kind of yucked up the economy. You know, well, the mortgage so, meltdown right. from the whole so, so those was, are things that were created that ended up wreaking havoc. Right. And as we go through some of those problems, we make corrections. We either like outlaw them or, you know, whatever else we do. Or so maybe we're just getting better at managing the economy. Maybe. And we can have that slow, consistent growth, which is good and healthier for our blood pressure and our health and everything like that. Yeah. So Jim. Could you introduce our guest who's going to tell us all about marketing automation and probably give a better definition? I'd be happy to. This gentleman just flew in today from Orlando, Florida. We met him last year at a, a conference in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He, he was the first speaker of the day. I believe we were all impressed with what he had to deliver to the audience. And his name is Todd Hockenberry. And Todd is a consultant and advisor to B2B leaders, helping them drive growth, align with buyers, and develop marketing and sales strategies. He's a fellow podcaster, and the name of his podcast is The Industrial Executive, and he's all about creating exceptional customer experiences. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do with my business too, Todd. So welcome to Making Chips. Jim, thanks for having me here. Jason, great to see you again. Welcome, Todd. Noah, Thank good you. to see you. I think we are, we're all trying to create those exceptional customer experiences, and so we'd like to find out about how marketing automation is going to help us do it. So first of all, tell us in your words, what is marketing automation and why should a manufacturing leader care about that? Uh, that's a great question. Marketing automation is using technology to facilitate conversations so that you can build relationships. That's really what it boils down to. And why it's so critical today for manufacturers is that reach in your pocket and pull out that phone, right? How hard is it, is it to get to 10 of your competitors? It's that, that hard, right? Reach in your pocket. I'm doing it right now. Say metal stamping, right? How many can you find? That's right, the world, thousands. Yeah, that's the world we live in. 
a large percentage of the conversation about your business, about the problems your customers have, is happening online before they ever talk to you. And even after they talk to you, they are online. They're on your LinkedIn page. They're, they're watching your social media. They're following your salespeople. They open emails. They maybe open documents you sent them. They're on your website. You don't know anything about any of that behavior if you don't have basic automation, marketing automation in place. So a large percentage of the sales process or the buying process or the process of changing, right, which is what we're all about, right? We're trying to get people to change from this state to a better state. If, they, if you don't have marketing automation, that process all happens in a vacuum. So you don't know what is influencing them. You don't know what content they're consuming that maybe they're taking into the meeting with all the senior people to make the decision. You don't know. Clearly, and we've talked about this before on Making Chips, and I've talked about this with my sales team as well, there's an access to information that is just unprecedented nowadays. Like I, I tell my salesmen this all the time, the role that you had 10 years ago, it's gone. You know what I mean? Nobody needs you to introduce that new variable helix end mill anymore because you know what? Everybody already knows about it. And they're certainly not going to take 30 minutes to have you come in and introduce that when they can watch a video online or read a website or just whatever else it is. So right. who wants to schedule 15 minutes with a no, salesman? Oh my God. It's painful. Nobody's got time. I gotta get that salesperson. They gotta come in. I gotta say hello. We gotta go. We gotta cut through all the crap. I gotta it's hear all about, about his... you have to add value. And we're not talking about sales today. I know, but, but I get what you mean. Yeah, I get what you but mean. we kind of are in a way. You know, we always divide sales and marketing and we kind of are talking about sales. I'm actually writing an article for this week about the profile of the business development rock star. And it's a sales guy who knows how to leverage content. That's a business development rock star in my mind. Because you're right, the people are just looking for that video that teaches them, okay, what's a variable helix end mill or how, how should I hold this part or whatever it might be. And the sales guy who knows how to keep that content in front of them and educate the audience is the guy I want to hire. Speaking of this, I literally just got an email from, from a client this morning who said, I saw this video with Titan Gilroy and their new Kenna Metal Harvey end mill. I need you to give me a price and send me one of those. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny and it kind of leads along this line of like this access to information. So Todd, we were talking earlier about what you see out in the field from talking to manufacturing leaders is that there's a misuse of marketing automation. Give us a little rant about what you see out there that people are doing wrong. Think about this. We all know what happens when you go on a website and you download an ebook or an infographic or you fill out a form, right? You put your name and your email in there. We know that, right? How many of you folks out there have PDFs stacked up in a folder somewhere on your computer that you've never read? Oh, I've got yeah. probably 100. You've got them, right? And how many of you know what happens next? You all know what happens next. You get start getting spam. You start getting email. And yep. you think of it as spam, right? Because it's right. not value-added email. It's not value-added. Email's still great, but it's getting harder and harder to cut through the clutter. So yeah, Mark I created automation in order to not have that hit my I've inbox. created a fake, you know, give me the white paper at gmail.com email address. You got What you're talking about is you're destroying poor marketing automation. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's that's marketing automation. I was going to ask you if that was the simplest form of marketing automation, but you're saying that's bad marketing automation. Well, it's the, it's the original form of uh, or the kind of classic form of marketing automation. So 10 years ago, HubSpot started the idea of inbound marketing. They popularized the term. It's been around longer than that. But the idea is that you'd create landing pages, attractive offers on your site. You'd drive eyeballs to your website. They'd convert. You'd now have a lead that you could nurture with automation. And then when they were ready and they reached a certain point behaviorally, they clicked on something on your website or they, they put their hand up and said, I want to talk to a salesperson. You then could then facilitate that sales conversation. This was meant 
as a way to automate the capture of contacts and emails and begin sharing value through automated emails that were timed, or they could be based on behavior. For example, if somebody came back to your website, you could send them a follow-up, right? They, they sometimes call that gated content. It, it, yes. You guys are reacting to that. What you just described is what happens with all marketing tactics or all marketing ideas, right? Gary Vaynerchuk said something great. It was hysterical. He said, marketers ruin everything. And marketers have ruined... <laughs> we do. <laughs> mark, mark, they've, they've ruined marketing automation to a great extent because everybody knows that when you fill out that form, you're going to get a series of automated emails that are maybe lightly personalized. Maybe they got your name in there, but it's not really about you, right? They're just following some automated formula and hoping that you convert and you move down the sales funnel and then eventually pick up the phone and call them. I believe that's the, the lightest, easiest form of marketing automation. And I just don't think it works all that well anymore. The marketing automation we're talking about is really to try to understand the behavioral footprint of your prospects, your people that are already in your funnel, and your customers so that you can see how, when, how long, and the types of content and the types of engagement they want to have with you, right? This isn't about you saying how you want to engage with customers. Marketing automation done well today is about how they want to engage with you. You use automation and technology to give your prospects your sales prospects, your marketing prospects, and your customers, especially your customers, the opportunity to communicate with you, share information with you, and then you can you can use these marketing automation tools to understand their behavior. And then you can serve them better and help them more. That's the goal. Okay, Todd, let's just stop right there. Can we start talking about a couple of brands that the metalworking nation would be familiar with what you call marketing automation, because I've already written down a couple of sure. them to ask you, like Vidyard, is that a marketing automation tool? Yeah, you're talking about video, customized videos, very powerful. I just Very powerful. I just did a, um, I'm under an NDA, so I can't tell you the company, but you would recognize the name of this company. It's a large publisher in the current events political space. And I just met with the CEO, right, very high level meeting. And we're working on a consulting project with them around the ideas in the book Inbound Organization. And my follow-up to him was not an email, which I know he doesn't like to read. No. I sent him a customized, personalized yep. email gotcha. summarizing the conversation, adding some more content, and saying, here's the next steps I'm going to take. So you right. email him a video of you telling him yes. Yes. how you're going to proceed? Yes. Yeah. That's that's just one. That's one. What what about a pop-up chat on your, on your website? Is that marketing automation? I, absolutely. Marketing. Okay. Because a pop-up chat that can be designed, it doesn't have to be every page all the time, you can set chats with the right tools to show up for the right people. Sometimes they call those chatbots. A, a chatbot would be an automated conversation. A, a chatbot would be, you would figure well, out would be the next logic. level of yeah. what Jim is talking about. Yeah. yeah. So the person would ask questions and it would automatically answer those questions and move them farther Supposedly. into the conversation. Supposedly. If you set it up right, it's a decision tree. It's if, then, this. If they ask this, then you answer this. A chat window is basically where you connect a human being over It's type. live. It's, it's live. In real time. It's a real person, yeah. right? And like my wife, my wife will never call you. Never, ever, never, never, never. I, did I say never? You my wife it. will never call you if, if you're a service provider. If you have chat or you can do email and they'll respond, she'll do that all day long. She will never call you. You know, I'm glad you said that because I hear so many people when, when they see that little chat thing on a website, they're like, I would never use that. But there are people who do, and that's why people. And, and you know what? I, I use that separate email, like you were just talking about, because they always, those chatbots always ask for your email address, too. And right. so well, I have to. Then, have they to then they start the marketing automation and send right. you those spam emails, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's bad use. So don't do that, folks. That's bad email. People know what you're doing. I can tell you a story. A lot of manufacturing companies don't have chat 
I have a client that's used chat and has sold capital equipment over $25,000 a piece, up to $50,000 in that range of dollars. They've sold it on chat. Got orders, purchase orders, sold business using chat. We have chat too at Car, and it's been pretty successful. I mean, my sales manager is talking to people via chat on our website. So let, let's follow that. You asked about other people. Why? I think the important thing is why and why does your wife want to do that? Why does Nick want to do that? See, actually, I would, I'm like, get on the phone guy. Yeah, but me too. I know that some people aren't like me, so I just want to make every communication channel available so I can take care of everybody. Two, two answers yeah, to that. And Jim's more of like the fax guy. If you send a fax today, oh my God. you'd be sta- would anybody else send a fax today? No. There's your sales tip of the day, folks. Send a fax. You might You're get right. their attention. It's, Unless it's, you want to talk to Jim Carr, then you have to send dip- him a fax. Jim, I thought you said you were busy. We are, Jason. We're, well, we're, 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 we're going to have a great year. I'm looking around, and I don't see any messy desks. I don't see any paper thrown about. Tell well, me what's going on. Well, first and foremost, is part of our culture that we have low paper, but... Since we've been using ProShop ERP, the whole tactic behind using that ERP system is to go completely paperless. And we are dramatically reducing our paper flow through the entire facility. So you're not quite there yet, but the goal is to be totally paperless. We're not quite there yet, but we've only been using ProShop now for about nine months. Well, I got to be honest. I mean, most manufacturing leaders, when when I go into their offices, I mean, there's stuff all over the place. Well, Prints I, and everything. You I know? think it, it just it just creates a clean system. If everyone knows how to utilize the system efficiently, then the paperless thing will work. Uh, yes, it's hard for an old school guy like me to not have that print in my hand, but at the end of the day, we're moving in that direction. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. You can call our good friend, Paul. Nick made a great point. He, he asked, why is that? Why do some people love chat? Why don't others? There's two big reasons. The first one is that as human beings, we like to consume information in different ways, right? Some are auditory learners. Some are, are experiential learners. Some like to read. A lot of people love video, right? Everybody's a little different, right? So just that alone says you have to have some kind of, of way for people to reach out to you, engage with you on all those different types of engagement, right? The way people are just different. The other piece is I teach a class at a school called Stetson University in Florida, the Go Hatters. And I teach, it's an intro to sales class. I've seen it in these kids. This is who you're going to sell to in the future, folks, pretty quick. And they aren't like you, right? They've, they've grown up with that cell phone in their pocket. They're used to absolute instantaneous access to information. And if they have to go on hold, forget it. They're not even going to do it, right? So the, the phone tree where I got to hit 17 buttons to get oh. to a person, give me a break. If right. you're doing that, throw it out, put a human being on that phone. Because if they if somebody picks up the phone and calls you, they want an answer right now. That's what they're used to. They can go on websites. They can get immediate feedback. And again, if you make somebody sit on hold today, shame on you. They're going to go. The worst thing you should do on hold is at least say, give us your phone number. We'll call you back in seven minutes, right? Don't make people wait. I could, again, I can tell you stories. I, I got a great story for the book. We didn't get in the book, but a guy was telling us he had an issue with his bank and he was sitting in his car. Long story short, he was on hold for 10 minutes waiting to get to the right person. And this is a marketing automation issue. You all hate this. When you're on hold and they ask you your information, your name, your account number, and you get to the next person and what do they do? Ask you again. Oh, exactly. it's like, didn't he write it down? That's a, no, it's a systems issue. Right. That's poor well, marketing automation. Right. They're not, they're not linking it. Correct. They're not forwarding that information that you just typed in 
to the person that's going to actually talk to you. So those two departments aren't connected. Right. So if it, if it came in the high level, it went to the specific department, they're not connected. Right. One of the things that I found is that the small businesses, like what you described, Jim, where you're like, my sales manager answers the chat, one person, he's the be all end all. And the really big companies like a Comcast or an Apple do this well. It's the companies in the middle where, you know, maybe there's some silo problems or there's Great some point. communication problems. They're not doing it right. So what would you give if somebody like a medium sized manufacturing company wanted to get into this? What do they need to do in order to do this right? Well, I want to finish my story real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, the bank like guy, Jim right? Like he's on he's on the phone with the bank. He's getting shuffled around. What did he do when he finally got to the right person? He said, It's too late. I transferred all my money to another bank. I opened up new accounts. You're fired. Bye. Goodbye. Right? Wow. Just because oh, and of that. by the way, he was in traffic in his car when he did it. So Jeez, yeah. that's the world you live in, folks. Time is money. People don't want to wait. So those are examples of, of where you don't have what we would call a centralized view of the customer, which is one record that would be with all the communications and all the activity with that customer from the marketing through the sales process to service and after the sale. It's the exact analogy of how you would track a part or a material coming in your building from one end through every station, every process until it goes out the other end of the building. You do that Inside your facility, very, very few manufacturing and industrial companies do it for outside their facility. For the most important thing they have, marketing and sales and service relationships with their customers. And that's the most important thing they have. And they don't automate it and track it the way they do their materials. So that's why. So then your question was, how would you start? We, we typically recommend, using the language of, of lean and manufacturing, we would we'd recommend that you would map a value stream. That you would understand how people engage with your company, how they gather information, how they how they connect where But it's so when. different, Todd. Everyone like you just said before, everyone falls into a different bucket. Not everybody is going to be responsive to one particular piece of marketing automation, right? right. That's why I I believe it's important to have multiple and diverse types of marketing automation because the more diverse you have across a, a horizontal, you're going to be able to catch somebody in those pockets. But I think right? what Todd is saying is, is there's this journey that you go through where you have to collect certain types of information before you can make a decision. Absolutely. And we make assumptions about our prospects all the time and about whether we think marketing is helpful or whether it's actually improving the process or, or helping the customer and moving them towards a decision. And and if you don't have automation that can kind of monitor it and measure it, then you you have no idea. You're just guessing. But you don't start with the technology. You're saying start by kind of mapping out that flow. Yes. What happens is most manufacturing companies have some level of technology that's related to marketing. Their website's hosted somewhere. They have something that's tracking their customers. Maybe it's still I have I have a client that still uses Act. If you remember that old one, the oh, old yeah. CRM. Yeah. There's Salesforce. Um, we love things like HubSpot because they're integrated across multiple areas. Uh, they include your website, content, blog, social media, email. Yeah, right? I mean, we're HubSpot partners here at Making Chips, and s- same with you. So right? are we. And uh, integrating everything in one platform is is the key because now everybody that's touching that customer and all of them automated places where they might run, they might hit you online, you now can gather data to see what's happening. So you can, again, you can make decisions. So you can look at your website, for example, and say, this is how people navigate our website. They come in here and they go to this page and they go here and this is where they leave. Hmm, is that a good experience for them? Maybe I should improve that. I can measure, I can improve. Same thing you're doing in your factory. You, you know what this walk. reminds me of? Do you remember when we had my brother Noah on and he was talking about the the phone thing that Todd just mentioned where people were calling Hennig and they weren't, they weren't getting to a real human being and he kind of did that... 
continuous improvement process to measure like how quick were we getting them to a real human being. And then he went just through that continuous improvement methodology to take it from like a really low answer rate all the way up to like the high nineties of that, how quick someone was getting to a human being. He, he didn't even like talk about marketing automation, but I think the thinking was similar, right? Exactly right. Exactly. Right. You, you have to measure and you have to understand first, you have to understand how your customers engage with you. How do prospects find you? How do they, how do they initially touch your company? And what do they do each step along the way? I mean, how many times does your salesperson talk to somebody before they, they make a decision to buy? And, and oh what are, God. and a what, lot. and what are the steps along the way? What emails do they send that get a high open rate? What right. tactics do they use to get prospects to give them a, a call back and get a meeting set up, right? Measure these things. Marketing automation can help sales and marketing do these things. And I agree with what you said earlier. Sales and marketing are no longer really two different things. They're the same thing. And I would actually even say the after sale management of clients is all the same thing as well. Reason, so you're including like service in yeah, that then? It's all one. It should be one continuous thing because do your customers care about those silos and those departments? At all? No, that's a really good point. They don't. They don't care. They want the experience. They want a seamless, helpful experience that improves their world, gets them to where they want to go, helps them achieve their goals, achieve the outcomes they want. And if you have silos, right, if, if your marketing department throws it over to sales and sales starts over saying, oh, okay, well, why did you reach out to us? Well, that's a horrible experience, right? Marketing automation should be able to inform the salesperson what pages they looked at, what content they downloaded, what questions they asked, where did they go online, how many times were they on your website, did they engage with you on LinkedIn. You should be able to see all that so the salesperson can build context for the first phone call. So the first phone call is not, hey, I hear you're interested in stamping metal or some stamping metal parts. No, it's going to be, you need this for this and to do that. It very, becomes very specific and the salespeople can add a lot more value. Yeah, one of the things that we're we're doing at Zengers, and it's kind of related to what you just said, is that instead of having these different departments like the sales department and the customer service and the support department, I'm strategizing how to move these to more like these mini teams, these organisms where you have a sales support and service working in tandem for a smaller group of customers in order to bring them closer to each other and also to the customer. So have you figured out like how you're going to, are you going to group them by like regional customers or types of purchases? I, I think it's going to be more behavioral. So like how the customers oh, good. want to interact. So like we'll have our VIP customers that value the the vending, the integration, the productivity enhancements, the continuous improvement. And then we'll have our customers that value more of the online experience or then we'll have our customers that are more just transactional. And then there could be some regional. We're just we're, we're putting together teams at this point and trying to have these broad buckets of customer. Yeah, behavior. so the process we're not is, gonna get it perfect, you know, right. I'll tell you that much. And know? the process is between like a transactional, like here, you know, I need to buy some cutting tool inserts right. versus someone who's like, hey, what what's the right tooling for this specific job? Right. And and they're talking to you every single time they get a new job. Right. Marketing automation looks totally different for from one customer to the next. Yeah, right? because like for example, say, say like a car machine and tool, I think that the future of interacting with Jim's company is that he's going to value more of that or his team's going to value more of that online experience, but he's going to have times where he's going to say this job's killing me, I need your help, or I need more production out of this job. And so he's not necessarily going to be directly with that team, but we need to be able to plug that team in when he needs it. Yeah, Jim, are you trying to move it more to where more of the interaction is is online? Like, Because you're, you're a job shop. We so, are. 
A contract precision manufacturer. You know, yes. is, w- as the customer, I'm trying to picture myself as one of your customers. You know, would I be able to go onto your site and see your machining envelope and what types of machinery you have and what types of processes you're capable of doing? Well, it sounds like Jim. You always talk about like more industry specific solutions. Like, you, know, you know, or, or do you want to get someone you know, on the phone? Like, how how does that work for you? Ideally, we want to get them on the phone right away. So we don't have our equipment list on our website because we want to start engagement with them right away, either through our chat box, which is on our website. You talk about more about your uniques than anything. Right. So that's what we've machines. been implementing. Anybody to, can buy a machine. <laughs> and you know how many people sell precision machining services out there? So what through EOS and this discovery, and I know this is going off on a tangent alert, but we, we've developed our three uniques and it's our people, our communication and our technologies. We kind of put the prospect the client through the filter first. If we feel as though they don't value those three uniques, we really aren't really interested in dealing with them at all. But at the end of the day, they're just trying to get a, a job done. So it's interesting that you don't put your Equipment list on your site because no, if I got a, if I got a part that I need machined, I'm going to be wondering like, does this guy have the ask, technology? Ask us because but then I at have the to call the, you. I don't I don't get to look. You at, can send me an email. You can send us a chat. You yeah, can, you can you can. But do I don't I that. don't get to just get it for myself by just viewing your site. No. What Remember, this say, is Todd? not an e-commerce company, right? Of so course it's, not. it's yeah. a little different from what you, Amy, and you Zangers are doing. This is a little bit more of an intimate relationship. But we're engineering. To- well, I would disagree with you there. I think all of us promote intimate relationships with our with our but customers. You, yeah, we're but very do, do you believe that your your business is a little bit more e-commerce based than mine? It depends on the customer. Which is what I just said is that we're moving more towards like behavioral teams because some of our customers, yes, it's an e-commerce experience, and some of our customers were literally in their shop three to five days a week. So, what does Todd think about this? I want to hear it from the expert. I think Jim's right. I, I think you've got to identify what makes you different than your competitor, and it is not your equipment, and it is not a stamped part coming out the back end of your your factory. It is again, I don't want to say they're commodities because. But the reality is if there's a specification for that part that's driven by an OEM that a, a, a tier one or two suppliers is sending to them, they're meeting very specific technical requirements. So everybody they reach out to more than likely can meet the technical requirements. So what's the differentiation? Is it how you treat them, how you talk to them, how fast you respond? Uh, do you keep your promises? Do you have a, a design process that eliminates rework or, or, or tooling changes? Those are the things that are going to make the difference, right? And that has nothing to do with your – it may have a little to do with your equipment, but it's really more about your people and how you think and, and how you build your well, business. Well, you said that they, they reach out to you because they know you can make their part. And if I don't know the equipment that they have, I don't know if they can make my part. Unless I call them or email them. Yeah, but you still won't know even if you know their equipment. Yeah, right? I guess that's part. true. You don't know if they're subcontracting it or whatever. Or maybe that that piece of machinery is dedicated to another job and could never make it on there or something else. What I would say to Jim is, and I think you're absolutely right, you, you talked about what we would call persona, which is a certain type of person who's the ideal buyer, and you're only going to work with those people because you know them the best, you know their issues, you can deliver the most value, and they're not going to beat you up on price, and they're not they're going to expect a good price. But they're not gonna, it's not gonna be about price. They're gonna build a relationship with you for the long term because you understand them. And your marketing and your automation are tied to your marketing can help you identify those people and keep you from wasting your time on poor fit customers. 100% correct. Exactly. 
I have a quick story I want to tell. While we were writing the book, Inbound Organization, I had a client in, in Indiana, and they made capital equipment. One of the new products they brought on was a, a tube-cutting laser. And they were cutting tubes like, like say, an exhaust on a Harley. They could cut the holes out of it, right? It was a half a million dollar piece of equipment. And we were just getting started with this client. So they hadn't fully adopted marketing automation yet. And they did an open house and I was invited. So I was there. And the owner of my client was talking to one of his customers who had already bought other equipment from them. So there was a customer, knew him well. Guy walked right up to us and said, did the introductions and said, I want to buy one of those. And he pointed to this half a million dollar laser. I was like, oh, great. He's like, I've eliminated five or six other companies and I've got it down to you and one other company. Who in your company do I need to talk to about getting a proposal? And I almost fell over. I said, this is a half a million dollar piece of equipment. And my customer did not know that his customer was looking for this. Marketing automation would have told him that this customer who's in their database was on their website looking at the laser information that was consuming that content and they could have proactively reached out to that customer who ultimately did buy from them, so it worked out. But they had no because they would have had insight. They would have had an insight. Well, and that's why I ask because our analytics show that like our equipment list page does get a lot of traffic. So people are looking at it. It's just it's it's really interesting conversation with a couple different perspectives here. I would say you're not you you would not list your equipment to differentiate. I would list my equipment as part of my persona and say this equipment produces these types of products for this market, right? For these industries. Sure. It doesn't do these things, right? I would use it as a way to eliminate people bothering me or wasting their time, ultimately wasting their time. Ultimately wasting their time. So so I would use it as that. I would not lead with it. I would not put it on my homepage and say, hey, look at how clean my shop is, right? When people come on your website, again, this is what automation tells you. They want to see them. They want to see themselves, right. their issues, their problems first, and they'll get to you eventually. You need to start with you. That's what automation will start to tell you. What What is the most, in order to put a, a bow on this episode, what is, what is the most basic, easiest thing that a manufacturing leader can implement into their company in marketing automation right away? And why should they do that? That's a great question, Jason. I, I would say that the two things that you need to have first – would be a content management system for your website that's giving you feedback and and information about how people are consuming your content, what they're interested in, how long they use it. Again, you can get some of this data from Google Analytics, some free tools, but you need to have a a tool that's really allowing you to understand how people are engaging with you online. That's number one. So that would be from a company like a HubSpot. Sure. And and you can get free versions of HubSpot to plug into a WordPress site, or you can you know, like making chips, our site is built on HubSpot. Right. A lot, a lot of people use WordPress as the most, probably I think the most popular one in the world. Yeah, it's like 30% of the internet is yeah. WordPress. But, and, but you have to get a lot of plugins and, and you have to, you, once you start to add all these plugins to get the kind of value we're talking about, now you have to have more expertise at it. And like so, maintain all these integrations and everything like that. That's one of the reasons we love HubSpot because it's, it's an easy tool to use and it's kind of all the, everything's all in one and yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to manage. So that's number one. Number two, I would say, is a, is a CRM, a customer relationship management system. And the CRMs for most people are customer management systems or really maybe even more accurately, data management systems. It's kind of a glorified spreadsheet. A Rolodex? Yeah, kind of. A CRM, a rela- remember the word relationship. That's the key word yeah. in that acronym. Relationship is what a CRM should help you facilitate. It should, it should deepen your relationship. It should give your salespeople context. It should give them information when they need it and allow them to add more value to the prospects and customers that you have. So if your CRM is just a place where you park phone numbers and emails, 
that's that's okay. That's better than a spreadsheet, I guess. But it's it's got to have a lot more value than that. And that's right? why you're talking like, okay, so don't silo marketing, sales, and service because it's one relationship. Sometimes you're you're interacting on a marketing level or a sales level level or a service level, but it's really one relationship. And one system like a CRM can manage that whole relationship. I'll give you a quick scenario, real quick. We have a client, a big client, thinking that we just did a lead management project and implemented a CRM program for them across 25 different locations. So they do a lot of marketing work. They have sales teams that manage big, big prospects and proposals with large commercial builders. And then after the sale, maybe a year or two later, these commercial builders come back and are starting to look again for the newest, latest and greatest. Okay, so the marketing guys, they're creating content to try to attract people. The salespeople, once the leads come in, it's all being tracked in HubSpot, they can see what happened in marketing, what content these people consume. So when they have their initial conversation, they don't have to say, hey, what are you interested in? They know because they've looked at these pages on the website. Say they get the order, they get the sale. After the sale, a year later, this lead's coming back. They're on the website now looking at something different. The system can tell the salesperson that this customer is now on their website looking at this information. So, hmm, maybe I want to have a follow-up call with that customer. Now's the time to ping them. Yeah, now I want to follow up and say, hey, did you know we have this new whatever, right? We have this new product. We have this new thing. It's value-added. You can now, instead of just saying, hey, how's it going? What's going on? You know, that's not, nobody likes that call. So how big of a commitment does the average manufacturing leader who's really at ground zero with this need to make? Does he have to start hiring marketing people? Is this technology outrageously expensive? No, I, I mean, HubSpot's going to start in the hundreds of dollars a month range. And, and, and obviously, if you add features to it, it's going to go up. There's, there's other tools out there that are relatively inexpensive. Most of these tools are software service. So they're subscription-based monthly. You're not buying a server and buying hundreds of thousands that's, of dollars. That's the trend year. in that type. Yeah. yeah, that's how it's going anyway. So it's it's not a big, big heavy lift in terms of dollars. Where it comes in is business leaders, manufacturing company owners need to take it as seriously as they take an ERP system or as they take a shop floor automation system. They'll spend hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars and weeks and months doing that and leave the customer management to a spreadsheet or some That's guy a really good point. It's crazy. They need to put marketing automation and relationship management using technology on the same level they put ERP and shop for automation. Very, very in interesting, Todd. Well, and that's one of the reasons why we talk about both of those topics, why we have you on making chips, is because both of those things are very relevant. We're going to actually start talking about that shop floor software ERP management very soon on making chips. But you're right, the customer relationship marketing automation is also very important. So we need to wrap this episode up. Todd, we appreciate having you on the show. If there's one call to action that you would give to the Metalworking Nation, what would that be? You can check out our website. It's top-line-results.com. You can find our blog. We write about this stuff all the time. Our podcast is listed there as well. And I'm happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. That's just Todd Hockenberry. H-O-C-K- E-N-B-E-R-R-Y. And I have a request, Nick, since I came all the way to Chicago. When you create that boring bar, I want a, I want a stool in the corner. And, yeah. it, and, it's, yeah. it's, and it's, I have a name for it. It's, gonna, it's called the bourbon bit. Because okay. I'm a yeah, bourbon guy, like right? The bit, that's what I want. That sounds great. Well, what's our call to action, guys? What do we want our audience to do? Well, I know for me, I don't know what Todd said about kind of the marketing automation that's been left in the dust. That's kind of concerns me. And, and, and I know a lot of what Todd talked about is really more the cutting edge stuff, but we need to, my company, we need to get with it because I feel like sometimes we're doing the things that came about a year or two ago and those things are, people are 
doing things like with their email, like I know I am in order to filter through all of that marketing automation. So we need to be innovative. We need to be different. We need to be able to reach customers in a different way. Yeah. Well, my biggest takeaway from today was marketing automation is an insight as to what your prospect or what your customer is doing with regards to me. Meaning we can tell if a client or a prospect is clicking on an email multiple times, we can tell if they're on our LinkedIn page looking at what we're looking at or looking at us, or they're on our website looking at particular industries served or different. So to me, the biggest insight and the biggest takeaway today was marketing automation equals insight. Yeah. And the key to all of this is like, we don't design it around ourselves. We design this around our audience, around our buyers. And speaking of audience, if you guys like listening to this show, please leave us a kind review on Apple iTunes iTunes or whatever podcast player you're using. That's the currency of the podcast world. And you can also reach out to us on makingchips.com. The currency of the podcast. Yeah, it's all about reviews, man. Yeah, it is. If if you want your podcast to continue to grow, it's got to be love from the audience. If we were selling t-shirts on Amazon, do you think we'd get a good review on that? Well, I like our t-shirts. Yeah. I, I our t-shirts designed. are awesome. I'm wearing one right now. What do, what do they say? If you're not making chips, you're, you're not, not making, making money. money. Bam! As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. If we could think of the I got to have some stuff to edit of Jim out anyway. So, like, you know, you might as well just edit that out. So he tees up jokes without the ending. <laughs>